0: Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to discuss with them a meaningful video game from their past. On this show, I talk to my guest about what made playing that game special, what they loved about it, and what is memorable to this day. Uh, As much as I do, get into the context of how they fell in love and and formed this bond with it uh, for the first time, maybe the second time, or who knows, maybe they have revisited it recently. A little bit of housekeeping up top is that you can find us and support us on social media. We're on Instagram at Call Me By Your Game Pod, and we're on Twitter at Call Me By Your Game. But on Twitter, there's just one Y in that username, so it's B Y O U R. On our social media, you can see the different uh, episodes we have coming out, the bonus episodes that we'll release on our Patreon. You can learn about how to support our guests, who they are, and you can see the cool show art that I make every week. Um, and this and everything else I plug are going to be the show in the show notes on whatever podcatcher you're listening on, so you can just click there. And go straight to those profiles if you want to follow us. You can also support the show by giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or really, wherever you get your shows. But I can only see the ones on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so I, can just, I will read those on the show when we get our next review. Uh, and then if you leave one somewhere else, feel free to shoot me a, a DM or an email or something. And I'll be happy to read it. Or just even shout you out. Uh, you can also share the show with a friend whether they love video games in general or uh, have a particular affinity for the game we're going to be discussing with our guests today. And then lastly, you can support us on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com supernpcradio and what you'll find there is a ton of additional bonus video game content almost exclusively in the form of podcasts, um, not just from me and the show. Call me by your game, but from video games, a comedy show, the reactivators and inside video games classic. Uh, but from this show in particular, there is a monthly version uh, the call me by your game co-op episode. These are available on the $10 DJ toad tier. Um, we're about to do, I think, our 29th or our 30th episode. So just from our show alone, there's basically an hour and a half to two-hour book club episode hosted by me with uh, with a few guests on 29 to 30 games. Uh, we just released... Our Return to Monkey Island episode, which happens to feature our guest for today's episode. Uh, coming up in November, we'll be doing an episode on uh, Famito Ueda's The Last Guardian, which is the same guy who made *Eco* uh, and *The Shadow of the Colossus. And then for December, the big one, my friends and folks, God of War Ragnarok. Uh, we will have an episode following up on the God of War 2018 episode that we did last year. So anyway, there is a ton of bonus content there. If you want to support us, that's a super helpful way that you can uh, do that. Uh, and yeah, even if you want to check it out for a month, you can just enjoy all you can before you leave. But that's at patreon.com slash NPC radio. That'll do it for the housekeeping. And we'll finally introduce our very patient guest for this episode. Please welcome to the microphone from the Return to Monkey Island podcast that we did on our network, Nick Park.
1: Hi, Connor. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I hope that uh, in your, you know, your, I'm sure your very uh, a detailed list of IMDB credits, uh, Return to Monkey Island, that your, your appearance on the co-op episode is just going to be right up there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The paparazzi will not stop hounding me about it.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry to have brought that on you, but I am very glad that you're joining me here uh, today. And even when I bring that up, I'm like, th- there's probably podcasts probably aren't listed on imdb are they have you ever checked that no honestly i have
1: never thought to look but i this maybe is an opportunity someone needs like ipdb like let's do it
0: yeah i won't i'd be willing to bet now that podcasts are so big there's some sort of database out there but anyway we're gonna have to wait to find if we can see see us listed by each other uh nick thank you so much for being here today I'm really excited to hear from you on your own solo episode. It was so fun to talk with you about the return to Monkey Island with our friend Will Evans. Um, I know you, uh, as I detailed on the Return to Monkey Island podcast, from our very first guest on this show ever, Elle Eckley. You are the cousin of.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Elle and I are cousins, grew up a few hours away from each other, and would you like spend family holidays together and everything, and both landed in L.A. and hung out a lot, and I got to meet you, uh, yeah, through L.
0: What joy. Uh, it was, you were always described as, or your family would, was described as, the the cool and smart family. Uh, so I hope that makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take that.
1: I feel like Our that's cousins, something you can't really, introduce like a, yourself
0: as. <laughs> it's me, the <laughs> yes, cool and smart can. guy. It'd be weird if you said it, but if anyone else says it, you can be like, well, I guess if you want to call us that. Yeah. Um, that's how we met. We got to hang out a little bit pre-pandemic, uh, and then, uh, you know, since it, we, we kept in touch a little bit, and then over the last, like, year and a half, we've definitely been uh, in touch a lot more and seen each other a lot more, but we always had a, a, a connection with each other through, I mean, through comedy, but through video games as well, because it's a mutual interest, um, but that's how I know you. Nick, what do you want to share with the listener about yourself today, and who is this uh, man of mystery?
1: huh uh yeah um wow what to share with the listener i mean what's to tell uh yeah like you said video games has been uh interest of mine for a long time and i think when we first met it was really exciting to uh yeah you know discover that shared interest um and uh yeah you know beyond that i've been in la for about seven years i'm from the midwest originally uh like i said uh you know Elle and I both grew up in Minnesota and Wisconsin, respectively, and uh, moved around a lot after graduating college there, landed in LA a while back, and have and loved it, and uh, yeah, gotten to meet some amazing people and uh, get to do things like this.
0: Killer. Uh, where did, did you go to college, by the way? And it is required that I ask that.
1: Sure. Uh, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin Madison. Which, fun fact, the creator of the game we're going to talk about today also went to UW Madison.
0: No way! Uh-huh. I didn't oh know that gosh. until I
1: was like reading the Wikipedia article this morning. But pretty
0: cool. That's that's nuts. And you know, if thankfully we are required to ask where people went to college on every episode. Uh, so, but if I if we weren't required, that never would have came up. Unless you would have brought it up.
1: <laughs> who knows? Who knows? We'll never find out.
0: Um. Well, thank you for sharing a, a bit about yourself, Nick. Uh, before we uh get into your general history with gaming, would you please introduce to the audience the game you have brought on to discuss for the main event?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna talk today about a game called Anachronox.
0: I can't wait. Uh, uh, a game I really, I truly had no idea what it was when you texted me as your, you know, your game of choice. Uh, and now I am very fascinated by it. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from you later. Uh, well, let's do it. Let's get into your general history with video games. Do you remember, uh, first taking an interest at any point, uh, as a, as a young pup?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, um... It was. I, I can't even exactly remember when video games like arrived in the house. I have two older sisters, and uh, like I'm much younger. I'm like my middle sister is six years older than me. My oldest sister is nine years older than me. And you know, so I have like very early memories where like the Nintendo is just there, you know, the original yeah. <laughs> NES. Uh, apparently, when I was like five, my dad would get home from working all day, and I would have the like NES track game set up, the one where there was literally like a pad you had to run on. Yeah, and I would like force him to sprint <laughs> race me <laughs> in NES <laughs> track uh, track and field. That's um, so
0: good, Nick. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like well, better run. Um, yeah,
1: and, and, uh, I think I, you know, mentioned on the Monkey Island episode, I was also the classic younger sibling who, you know, my sisters would give me an unplugged-in controller to prevent yep. me from complaining that I wasn't getting to, get in my fair turn. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, we kind of were a Nintendo family, so as the Super Nintendo and the N64 came out over the next, what, decade, uh, you know, those arrived in the house, and, um... Computer games. Computer games were really big for us as well. Um, yeah. I think the King's Quest series was another one where, like, my sisters had, you know, like, fallen in love with the kind of earliest entries in that series. And yeah. so I, again, have this memory of, like, watching them play and then playing myself as later sequels came out. Um, and then, like, later in my life, kind of computer games. You know, the N64 was the last console I had for a long time. Um, oh, until interesting. I was, like, an adult, and I was, like, all computer games after that.
0: Wow. Um, you know, being your last console for a long time, do any N64 titles stick out to you that you rem- uh, remember enjoying? Oh, I mean,
1: yeah, definitely the, the Zeldas of that era. Woo! Uh, you know classics uh, ocarina i was hoping Majora's you'd say Mask. that yeah, yeah yeah pretty original take i know pretty unique little <laughs> gem well,
0: you know what as as uh i feel like common as it is for n64 kids to love the the two zeldas that came out on that i still love hearing it because they're those are two of my all-time favorites majora they might be my one and two favorite games of all time
1: I mean, I hear you. I Majora's Mask definitely holds a special place in my heart because I'm yeah. such a sucker for a time loop story, and so <laughs> yes. like that bumps it up five points immediately.
0: Yep. Yeah, we just did an episode. My friend uh, Danny Gendron came on, and uh, who I knew knew from when we were pa- studio pages at Paramount Pictures, like seven or eight years ago. But uh, he it was fun to have someone else bring that on and hear why it was special to them because I've gotten to talk about it a lot on this network. And as we, I even got to host the uh, last year when we did our Zelda games club on our Patreon, I got to host the Majora's mask episode. And yeah, that game has just grown and grown increasingly special for me over the years. Um, So it's cool to hear that those are good uh, up there for you as well. Um, yeah. Uh so, you know, what tell me a little bit about this period post N64. I think maybe you were leading us to a computer era or what where do you go from here, Nick?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Post N64. You know what? I must have been in maybe like middle school at that point. Um and Maybe even so. I'm trying to think what the timeline would have been. It doesn't matter too much. But like I was just getting into computers as an yeah. interest and a hobby um, and, you know, started like tinkering with our family computer, you know, like buying new car, like graphics cards to plug into Whoa. it. Uh, and eventually, like in high school, I started, you know, building my own PC and I like had Ooh. saved up money to like have my own computer in my room. Like 20 that I years built. before
0: everyone did it
1: yeah yeah I guess I mean you know it was it was a hobby it was a thing like there were you had to be a little bit nerdier probably like you know uh at that point but um there was so much information and like uh I had friends who were into the same kind of thing uh, uh I mean well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here but you know the land party crowd that was like part of my high school my if you were to break down the you know jocks and nerds and then the land party kids i I was in the (laughs) land party kid club
0: it's a subsection Um, of uh students that don't often get talked about in high schools where's the movies about us you know you know what they're it's gonna it's gonna come eventually and we're gonna finally get your day in the sun Thank you. Or your day, uh, you know, uh, under the under the fluorescent lights. I guess it'd probably be more appropriate. <laughs>
1: right. Yes, exactly. The the My night in the dim glow of an old school CRT monitor.
0: Yes. Um. Well, I mean, if it's not too much to jump ahead, I would love to hear a little bit about this LAN party era for you. And yeah, like what for sure. I mean, I can you like played.
1: fast forward us there real quick because the story is basically sure. like I kind of – you know, the way, especially when you're, like, a teenager, you're, like, trying to build an identity for yourself. And I, like, latched on to, like, oh, I'm a, like, PC gamer guy. And that's better yeah. than playing on consoles. So I was like, I don't need a console. <laughs> um, I played a lot of games. And then, yeah, I had this group of friends who were also into it. And and in the LAN parties, you know, that was, like, in high school. We would get together and just, like, everyone would lug their, you know, towers and, you know, th- 40-pound CRT monitors over to each other's houses, set up and just, like, game all night. And, yeah, we played a ton of stuff, you know? Lots of Counter-Strike, a lot of Unreal Tournament. Um, Oh, man, I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Age of Empires was weirdly a big hit. Nice. It was a strategy game group of us. Uh, Yeah, all sorts of stuff. I feel like people were always bringing something new. Oh, there was this amazing, like uh freeware Tron light cycle game. Uh, wow, you know like before any of the new movies had come out or anything. So just like kind of stuck in the middle of Tron. <laughs> like the old movie was old, but there was no sign of new movies. It was movies probably since, almost like
0: borderline yeah. niche at that point.
1: For sure, absolutely. But we played the hell out of that game. Um yeah, I mean just anything and everything.
0: Th- that's so cool. Um this is just I'm asking because this was a game I really liked. To play, uh, which you didn't need to, I guess, to uh, at least on the computer to have a LAN set up. But did you ever play the original Halo on PC? I did not. No. And like once Halo became
1: popular and was like people were starting to like, yeah, come hang out and we'll play Halo and like LAN yeah. party. I it was like again. I was like, no, my identity is not that. yes. Like, <laughs> oh, console shooter. You guys don't. You need a mouse and a keyboard. How could you possibly with a controller?
0: Which is fair. Like, I I loved I loved the original Halo. I got introduced to it on console, on the Xbox. But then when I got my own personal computer for my, like, 13th or so birthday, that was a game that I also got at Christmas. And I was a mouse and keyboard kid at that point. I, I, I'm really excited to go back at some point because it was just, it felt so right, you know. And I'm used to twin sticks, you know dual stick uh console shooters now but uh that's the way to go for sure is the point and click
1: yeah i mean they obviously consoles have figured it out and like i'm down with consoles and a console shooter now but i I do think in that halo era there was like a big gap and if you were used to mouse and keyboard it was hard to go back to like this is
0: this is rough absolutely um well so uh any any fun like uh Uh, Any fun other eras you want to talk about from your gaming history? Like, did you play games in college? Is there another era that you're like, ooh, let's highlight this for now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a huge highlight, but I I kind (laughs) of just kept playing games, you know, throughout my life. And so in college, I played a fair amount. We, uh, A group of friends and I in our dorm played a lot of Counter-Strike. Uh, nice. And we, were, like, had a competitive Counter-Strike team. We were playing in, like, oh. the Cyber Athlete League. That's what it was called. Whoa. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. In my e- cow? eSports days. The Cal. Oh, you know it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, we we had our team and we would, like, play scheduled matches every week and and try to, like, win the season um and that's uh, incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like the main game for sure through a lot of college. Um but I would like dabble with other things in there too. Um and you know, I think like you know, with the LAMP parties and stuff, we're talking about a lot of like shooters and competitive games and things. But I always had a, the soft spot in my heart for those like single player narrative games, uh, you know, yeah. that I kind of grown up with the Zeldas, the King's Quests. Like, I love that. And so, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to even remember what games I would highlight from kind of that era that fell more into that bucket. Definitely played like Half Life 2 came out while I was in college and played that. Nice. It was a big, big deal. And I'm sure there were other games in there. Uh, Yeah. And then post-college, you know, kind of continued to play casually, not a ton, um, but definitely always kind of had something I was either playing or like keeping an eye out for something to play. Um, And, you know, maybe some stretches where I wasn't doing anything, but for the most part, it's kind of been a constant, uh, constant in my life.
0: I love that. Uh, It's kind of fairly similar for me as well. I definitely had some slower period, especially, you know, like during and post college always, you know, had like consoles and was playing stuff, but was much more casual compared to what it was like for me up through like the the GameCube early Wii days. And then, you know, basically switch onward and how much of a hobby it has become. Um, as far as, uh, I got a few questions I want to ask you now about your gaming history, since you've given, like, a a fun overview. Uh, first of which is with your, with that, um, the, the Counter-Strike team you had, uh, do you remember the name of this team?
1: I do, um... It was called From Marshfield, which was my hometown, because we all, it was like the majority of the team when we started playing were like my high school friends, and then like other people joined, but uh, yeah, yeah, we were a team from Marshfield, and our little clan
0: tag was FM.
1: I Um, love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. and Didn't uh, even have to like worry about how it aged, it's just where you're from.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very, very basic.
0: That's good. Uh, Do you have any uh like specific memories either of like a specific like memorable game like tournaments you had with each other or just like what it was like playing with that crew oh man i you know i don't know that i
1: have any like specific stories but it was i mean i have really fond memories of it mainly because it had that like What's fun about intramural sports things? You know, yes. There was like a forum on the on the Cal website where you like people would trash talk each other or like really, you know, be <laughs> scouting out which teams were great or which play. Like, yeah, you know, players would move around between teams and be like, "Oh my god, can you believe?" uh Make it bacon. That's another team that I like remember oh, so clearly. they gosh. were called Make It Bacon, and they had this like hilarious little logo, with like <laughs> a pig with bacon on its back or something. I don't know. But like sticks in my brain, eating up space like that could probably be better used by something else. Uh, but, you know, you'd be hearing like, oh, what are the trades? What are the rumors?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and yeah, just to be a part of like a league like that was so fun, uh, especially because especially like I was not uh, a very athletic child. And so uh, my experience uh, as a teammate up to then, you know, I'd played some sports, but I I spent a lot of time on the bench. So to uh, be part of something where it felt like, oh man, I'm excited about this league. I'm really into it. I feel part of it was was very cool.
0: I love that. I feel like we're getting a a mini Call Me By Your Game episode right here. Uh, Call Me By Your Game micro. Uh, (laughs) Just hearing about that. Um, There is something, I mean, I too love and mostly play single player stuff almost entirely but the most fun I think I really ever have or the most joy I have in gaming this is just for me personally is I've never you know been on a team that's consistently played like that but I have like routinely played like Halo Four with my dorm mates, or Halo Three, or Fall Guys in like 2020 with a group of friends that would meet every Saturday night on Zoom. So um, you know it's different. I think having like something where you are really competing and it uh, is a little more serious, but I'm sure still super fun. But man, just having a game you can routinely play with a group of friends, what and having that time all together is just about as good as it gets for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's great as a social experience and, you know, it it just bucks the whole, like, uh, lonely computer nerd.
0: uh, Yeah.
1: It's like, no, it's it's such a wonderful way to, yeah, stay in touch with people, especially over a distance nowadays.
0: Totally. Um, uh, So I have uh, got two more questions for you. Um, My first question, which is going to be a little interesting because you're mostly been a, uh, like a PC person. Uh, So this can be up to your interpretation uh if you were to pick a favorite either console or like like a period of pc gaming do you can you pinpoint that for yourself personally
1: oh boy um i mean it would probably be Oh man, it's tough. It would probably I, I want to say between like the SNES and N64 era. Yeah. I think I was at that age, you know, I was like probably 11, 12, 13 kind of as the transition was happening. Um when, you know, like just so many games that I got obsessed with or captured my imagination. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, because it's been something that's been kind of in the background my whole life, I feel like there's different parts of every era that I connected with, you know? And so as I think on it, it's like, yeah, that, those were really formative and strong, but um, not not unique, you know? Like there's other things about other other periods
0: that really stood out to me. Absolutely. Well, I can, I can relate to that too. I, I've sort of... Uh, it's really hard for me to make that... Call I think if I were to have to pick one it's it's probably the Nintendo 64 for me as far as like most memorable favorite consoles Um, but the first one that I felt like real ownership of and from the beginning was the GameCube so it's also hard for me to like get away from that Uh, but thank you for diving into that a little bit. Uh, The last question I have for you is, has there been a game in recent memory, uh, like whether it's this year or the year before, that uh, you really enjoyed uh, for the first time that you'd like to highlight really quick?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, There's probably been a few, but the one that immediately jumps to mind uh, is a game called Return to the Obra Din or Return of the Obra
0: Oh, I thought you were about to uh, pull a a joke where you're like acting like I hadn't. We hadn't discussed Return of Monkey Island before. Oh. For a second, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I but, mean, that yeah, game's great. But,
1: Definitely, listen. But, go pay for the Patreon. Listen to that episode. Play the game. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, Return of the Obra Dinn, uh is a game. I think it came out on a bunch of platforms. Yeah, um, and is a it's a it's a mystery, but it, where you are play as a. Um, I mean effectively you're you're having to be a detective and like solve the mm-hmm. mystery of what happened on this ghost ship that appears in a harbor it's like a 18th century trading ship that drifts into harbor empty and your job is to go find out how did what happened to every single person on board um but it does an amazing job of actually like forcing you to do that on your own um where the mechanic is like actually like assembling all of these clues together in your head to be able to list out like every crew member and how they died. Um, Yeah. And it's just really unique in that way and makes you feel so smart when you figure it out. Uh, And speaking of like, I think another reason it really stands out for me is one is just like this perfect little game. Uh, I love it. But yeah, also, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, being able to play games with other people and like, uh how, how great that is and even though this is you know as single player a game as the <laughs> game can be um it is one that i i played on ps4 and used the like streaming uh service so that's my oh. sister across the country uh would like we would just get on a conference call she'd watch the stream and we would play it together and like figure out the puzzles together oh. and it was such a wonderful way to uh get to do that with my sister who again like when we were kids you know we would sit and play the king's quest games together in yeah. that exact way where you're just like playing and talking through it and uh yeah so it was an awesome flashback to that and uh really made that game even sweeter for me
0: that's that is very sweet and it i I actually had dabbled in that with that game for the first time within the last couple months and I, I played it like one evening and was really impressed by it, but I didn't end up picking it back up. That might be the way to play is to have like someone else to to like walk through it with you because I really got the... You, you earlier said how it really does challenge you to just like use the clues that you have and put it together yourself. It doesn't really like hand you a lot uh, to like give you a lot Without you figuring it out, so I think even the first person that I correctly was able to identify, I was, I was like, still, I was like, what if I'm wrong about this? I mean, it has to be her, but like, it, the way that it's set up, it makes you really suss that out. Um, but that's really cool. Uh, thank you, uh, Nick, for sharing. You know your general history with gaming and highlighting some eras for us and and whatnot. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about all things Anachronox. Uh, so Nick, I'll see you on the other side. My name is Jeremy Schmidt, and I'd like to tell you about my podcast, Video Games,
1: a comedy show. This is, you guessed it, a comedy show about video games. Every episode, a panel of video game-liking comedians discusses a brand new topic, the games they've been playing, and best of all, the news. Are there bits? Arguably way too many. If you like to laugh and or like to play video games, check out
0: Video Games, a comedy show anywhere podcasts can be found. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Uh, I am your host, Connor McCabe, still here with uh, the legendary Nick Park. Nick, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Um, As we uh, went over before the break, now we are back for the main event, and we are going to get into things, uh, all things Anachronox, uh, which is the game you've brought on for the main discussion today Um, before we hear from you about your personal history and any anything you want to share about the game at all um, let's go over and set uh, the table for the listener to what this game is because as I told you before the show started I had no idea what the heck this game was Uh, and that is this is not the first time this has happened where a guest has been like hey I picked this game and I have to like look it up to like make sure it exists because I've for some reason never heard of it. Um, but after seeing it, uh, it only made me more excited to get into it. So, uh, Nick, like I also told you before uh, we started up, uh, I'm gonna read some basic history and context from the Wikipedia page. But uh, if you want to jump in at any time or or whatnot, I'll try to leave space too. Feel free to add to it if you want. Okay. Great. Or you could, if you you could just be quiet the whole time and I'll take care of it. It's up to you. Um, but uh, the first. Thing uh, I'll kick us off with is uh, Anachronox. It's a two thousand one uh, RPG produced by Tom Hall. This must be the University of Madison, Wisconsin character. Fame UWM, yeah. Um, and so it was produced by him uh, and the Dallas uh, Ion Storm Game Studio. The game is centered around Sylvester Sly Boots Bocelli. A down-and-out private eye who looks for work in the slums of Anachronox, a once-abandoned planet near the galaxy's jump gate hub. He travels to other planets, amasses an unlikely group of friends, and unravels a mystery that threatens the fate of the universe. The game science fiction story was influenced by cyberpunk, film noir, and unconventional humor. Uh, the story features a theme of working through the troubles of one's past. As far as you know, the setting. And uh, and and characters there. Any other context you think we should add about like what is going on in this game story wise?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. Story wise, um, I mean, I think that does a pretty good job of setting up the kind of basic conceit. Uh, I think something that's very like charming about this game and one of the reasons it connected with me so much is it also has a very like distinct sense of humor and tries yeah. to be funny and often succeeds yeah. uh, which is not always not always uh, easy to accomplish especially in video games um yeah so it kind of is this this wild blend of like you know almost like final fantasy japanese rpg like both mechanics and kind of style of story and world building you know where it's this kind of ultimately it's this like very serious story about saving the universe and having this like dark past but at the same time is like very goofy and irreverent with itself and like makes this very fun universe we can talk more about um in a way that yeah i think is just really it was really unique
0: i love that uh that was something that uh, even as I was starting my initial research on the game that eventually did get highlighted pretty often was the humor uh, in it. And then finally getting to watch some of the scenes uh, that I could got an even a better sense of like the style of humor. Like you were saying, it's very distinct. Um, so that was unexpected and fun for me. Uh, the gameplay for Necronox is like you were saying, it is rooted in like a Japanese RPG style of a turn based uh combat uh the player controls a party of up to three characters as they explore a 3d environment of futuristic cities space vessels and outdoor areas inspirations for the game include other rpgs such as chrono trigger which the more i've learned about it the more i've been like oh yeah absolutely um a game we uh recently did a co-op episode on dear listener uh and the final fantasy series Uh, an animator chuck jones and the novel's the novel Ender's Game so these were big influences for it um the game was built with a heavily modified version of id software's id tech 2 re- rewritten chiefly to allow a wider color palette emotive animations and facial expressions better lighting particle effects and camera effects the thing that stuck out to me one of the things, many things stuck out to me about just seeing some like brief gameplay sequences and cutscenes from this was how specific parts of the faces on these characters move. And I feel like this is something that, you know, we are at this point in time, the games released in North America on June 27th, 2001. This, the PS2 is out, the Xbox and GameCube are coming that fall. But what they are doing with some of the facial expressions, even when the the models are are very blocky in some ways was really impressive from like eyebrow raises to little uh, uh, like just i guess ways of emoting i was uh really impressed by that
1: oh man i'm glad to hear you say that cuz it's definitely you know you look back at it now and it looks bad i mean it's yeah. <laughs> it's a game from 2001 it was that early 3d era where like so much was getting built and figured out and like they were trying so much uh, yeah. that like was probably past the capabilities that they really had. Uh, and that was awesome because it you know pushed all the technology forward, but also meant like from an art direction point of view, they were like, it's going to be hyper-realistic. And then yes. from a, what you could accomplish, you'd be like, no, it's going to look like cubes stacked on top of each other. And totally. uh, yeah, but you're totally right. This game they did. Uh, they really invested in kind of the storytelling aspects of it. So, uh, the The facial expressions were something they they put a lot of effort and the technology into, and the other one that really stands out when you play it is the camera. Uh, yes, oh my they, gosh, they they do like so much wild cinematography, and it's one of those where you know there's there's a lot of cutscenes, but they're all fully in-engine cutscenes. There's no like pre-rendered anything, and during those cutscenes, man, the camera is like zooming in, zooming out, flinging around, like yep. circling characters <laughs> uh, as well. Look again. Playing it now, bad. <laughs> it's yeah. like feels feels rough, but um uh also just so fun. So fun that they were they were doing that and and really trying to make something that was cinematic and and felt that way without um needing to lean on yeah, pre-rendered stuff.
0: Yeah, uh very Very impressive and also uh, just like honorable that they really went for it in so many of those ways. Uh, I just, it was cool seeing it, especially not like seeing a first image of the game and be like, what is this going to be? And then watching it play out was, I learned a lot. Um, The development of Anachronox was long and difficult. Originally planned for a third quarter 1998 release. uh, And this comes out second quarter, 2001. Uh, It was released, as we already said, in June of that year for Windows, Uh, and Tom Hall planned to create a sequel with the copious content um, removed during production. Um, Critics enjoyed the game and awarded it high marks for its design and story. And um, uh, yeah, um, that's about what I have to share uh, about this. Oh, the last thing I do have to share is in 2002, uh, the cinematic director of the game, uh, Jake Hughes, spliced together a gameplay gameplay footage and cutscenes to create a feature-length, award-winning, Uh, Is it machinima film? Is that how you say that word? You know, I've never, never known how to pronounce that. That sounds great. i will go with machinima. uh, And it feels good saying it. So yeah, um, Nick, for you. For for people who don't know, we can
1: define machinima because it was like this weird, I don't think it's a thing anymore, but it was this like early 2000s uh, trend of like making films using game engines. I mean, primarily in like 3D art um that was like yeah briefly really popular and then i think just got you know totally mainstreamed into like oh no every movie is made <laughs> using yes uh, ex- extensive visual effects and um uh even now you know like mandalorian is just using unreal engine for their like live yep. backdrops and stuff uh, yeah. anyway but yeah I, i'm actually really curious about that i i read that on the wikipedia article too and i'm curious to go and watch that movie now to to see you know re-experience the game that way maybe
0: totally uh it reminds me of uh of like red versus blue the old like halo animations that they would make i remember being so fascinated by that I, again found about it out about it from the same crew who introduced me to halo and i was like wait a second you can like i never thought that you could use a video game to like record it and create your own movies because i was a little movie maker as a kid uh so yeah really cool uh that that was done um nick Before we get into your personal history with the game, is there anything table setting wise that we left out that's like that we need to get out for the for the listener or did we do it?
1: Ooh, I think you did a good job. Um, Let me throw one other interesting fact in there. So you mentioned that, like, please. uh, Yeah, they released this in 2001. They had a planned sequel. (laughs) The studio like um, Ion Storm, who made it. was, like, a pretty successful studio in, like, they made the original Deus Ex, uh, which had come out earlier, Um, but they had, like, multiple studios around the country, and this was made in Ion Storm Dallas, which was shut down basically immediately after this game released. So that sequel never arrived, and we'll talk more about that later, but, uh, yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. Uh, I mean, I don't love that that happened to them, but, like, what a crazy uh, thing that just days after release this happens. uh, Yeah.
1: Oh, let me throw one other fact out there. Um, I think what's also interesting, you know, talking about some of the facial expressions and other like technical things they did in this game, um, it, it's interesting to tie that back to the fact that Tom Hall, who made it, was one of the founders of id Software. So, like, along with John Carmack and um, Romero, I forget his first name right now, but uh, I think it's John. Yeah, John. John Romero. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. These, uh, you know, like the founders of the kind of modern 3D game. Like he worked on Doom. He worked on Commander Keen. You know, pushing the technical boundaries with 3D was, I think, just in the DNA. And maybe, yeah. I mean, well, I think a theme we'll keep touching on as we talk about this game is in a lot of ways it probably bit off more than it could chew, which is why yeah. it had such an, like terrible development cycle. Yeah. Um, but uh, kind of makes sense, where you know the the background was always like put of of that studio and the DNA of this creator was like push the push the technology as far as it can go, make the most like impressive thing you can make. Uh, and he, man, certainly swing for it with this one.
0: Yes, uh, and unfortunately, it sounds like it did have something, probably had something to do with uh, stu- the studio's closing, or at least just like biting up the biting off more than it could chew element, but. Yeah. Uh, super interesting. Well, let's get into it then. Um, Nick, as far as your history with the game, do you remember like discovering this, getting it? Was it one that just like showed up? I have
1: been racking my brain trying to remember and I, I can't be sure, but there's one of two ways I would have found out about it. Cool. Uh it might have been, like, just a review in PC Gamer, you know? I yeah. I had a subscription, got that paper magazine, read everything, you know, got psyched about games, and it might have been that. It might have been, like, I heard about there and thought, yeah, this is right up my alley yeah. and, and got it. Um, it's also possible, like, at the same time this game was coming out, I was, like, had just started high school, I think. Um, I was, like, forming a new group of friends that were kind of these, like, computer nerd friends yeah. i had like gone through that transition of like oh middle school is awful and i don't know who my friends are anymore and we're all like oh, uh yeah. reshuffling our social circles and kind of like high school arrived i was landing amongst a group of people who uh you know shared this interest and there was a lot of games I played around that time that came out of that group where I was like, someone discovered it and we'd all go play it. So probably one of those. And I'm certain we all were taking like the intro to programming class. I was like, how to, how to visual basic Wow. Um, you know, buttons on screen. And we would spend half the class just like talking about video games uh, <laughs> or like hiding in the corner and playing Worms Armageddon. So I've, I'm oh, certain that this nice. was a game that if even if I didn't discover it there, we were
0: like coming into school every day to talk about like,
1: oh, how far did you get? What, what's happening?
0: Oh, my gosh. To have like a built in like and you were saying this was in a class that you were in, like the programming class.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were all oh my in the, gosh. Like, my high school had
0: a yeah intro to computer programming class. We were all in. That's amazing that like not only that that resource was available to you, but it was just like your built in social time of discussing the stuff that you all were so interested in oh my gosh it's just like kind of bringing me back I never had anything exactly like that but oh just it's so funny like I feel like same thing can happen today and I mean by the same thing I mean I run a video game podcast network was all I half of what I do is talk to friends about video games but I'm I think I'm just enjoying hearing this from you especially because it's so reminiscent of a specific time like with your friends uh gosh that's cool um, so, okay, so that's one of a few ways you would have heard about it. Um, well, as far as the game goes, and I know we've sort of uh, sampled a little bit of, uh, of some of the elements of it already, you know, setting by setting the table, but when you think of this game, what is something you think of uh, first that's memorable to you? The... <laughs>
1: I mean, weirdly, there is a section of the game that stands out the most to me that I Ooh. think is what has, like, kept this brain, this game in my brain for, you know, the last few decades. Yeah. And it is, like, late in the game. Your main character, like, you're in a, a spaceship. It's this grand galactic, you know, adventure you're on. You're hopping planet to planet. And then at some point, you get dropped onto a planet in this, like tiny little snowy village and you basically have to like b- play Sherlock Holmes and solve a mystery of like <laughs> a monster like who's kidnapping children and that what? like tonal shift was just so wild and so fun for me and like that part of the game uh yeah is weirdly I think the thing that sticks out most even though it is kind of this like unique it is very different tonally than a lot of the rest of the game. Um, But I think that is, that's probably the moment that stands out the most. And it is part of, again, what I like about this game is like, it's not afraid to do that kind of thing. It like, yes, takes so many twists and turns and is like, can be both so serious and so goofy at the same time. Um, It's amazing.
0: That's nuts. Just to have like a whole chapter that's a genre shift, at least in the way that the story, like the storytelling goes, Uh, that is interesting are you still in this uh if you were you might not even remember it so specifically because it was so long ago but for this are you still like you know doing your turn-based battles as you go through to try to solve the mystery are a lot of the gameplay elements still there yeah the basic mechanics
1: (laughs) i think are all still there um before before we recorded this, I went back to play some of the game to, like, rekindle yes. my memory. And I didn't make it to that section, but I literally had to, like, go look up a walkthrough to be like, how far away am I? Like, do I need to stay up all night and oh, get to that yeah. part? <laughs> um, but unfortunately, it's like, late in the game. Um, but I did rewatch. I watched, like, a little YouTube uh, Let's Play of it to try to, like, uh, bring it back. And, yeah, a lot of the, mechanic, all, all the mechanics are still there. It just leans a lot more into, the, like be a detective, solve a mystery. And I guess that's the other thing. You kind of mentioned it in the intro, but like, this is another game that casts you straight up as a detective. And yeah. even though that's not the mechanic of the game, the way Obra Dinn is, um, It does let you do some fun like detective work where you have to, you know, go look for clues or it gives you a camera and you can like take photographs of evidence. Certain side quests will be like, oh, I need you to get a picture to help solve this crime. Uh, And you'll like go sleuth around the sewers or whatever uh, to find it. Um, so in that, that, that section is still leaning on all those things. I think it's just like the setting and it's, it's almost this like a werewolf story happening yes. in my mind. That's what I remembered it as. I like when I was first searching for it, I was like an werewolf and I couldn't find anything. Oh. <laughs> it ends up, it's a Yeti, it's a Yeti. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just really that tonal change, not even the mechanics change.
0: Yes. That's cool. Uh, and, and I love, I love when games are brave enough to do this. I'll, later in the episode, uh, as we're wrapping up, you, you'll know, as someone who's listened to the show before, that I will do a game recommendations uh, segment where I recommend three games to you based on you bringing this one. And I'm going to go ahead and just throw out a bonus one right here that does something very similar. And that is the fr- original Paper Mario game. Um, without Have you played this one ever? I have not. I've not. It, but I have like been... Interested in, in
1: tracking it down. I think I even went searching for it on Switch recently. Do you have a Nintendo Switch? It. I do, yeah.
0: So if you ha- if you get the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, which is, I believe, like $40 a year, it comes with the N64 library and it includes the original Paper Mario. Amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: I was hunting just the, like, you know... I was, like, looking for a remake or something. Yes. Uh, sweet.
0: All right, all right. I'll put um, it on the list. True. I mean, I would just recommend that game just in general because i I think it's just phenomenal it's it's one of the best n64 games uh out there uh but it it's also a turn-based jrpg technically um but in that game there's also a chapter without spoiling too much that does something very similar which is also late and really fun and stands out uh so that's just so funny um now, what other like when you think about this game as well, like what other uh what are what's like a meaningful element of this game or another reason you brought it on? Was it I know we've talked a little bit about like the humor and the and like what they tried to do, but I want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a bunch of things. I think one
1: replaying it. It took me a minute cuz like I said, it's an old game, you know, and and in through the <laughs> eyes of a modern player, there's parts of it that are just like kind of painful.
0: And so <laughs> as I first started replaying
1: it, I was like, oh, man, I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to get through. Yeah. But then what I what I very quickly was rekindled for me is just the universe it creates mm. and how it kind of lets you explore that. So so first off, it is very much this, like, sci-fi setting. Uh, yes. You're, like, on this alien planet that was like found abandoned and now is like the slums of the universe uh-huh. um and has uh and then like yeah spans out into this like like I a galaxy-wide adventure but at the same time it also has like all these more elements you know and so it has this very like blade runner kind of gritty straight up you know 1930s detective vibe that's mixed in with that and then on top of that there ends up being this kind of like magic system that ties it all together and I think that mix of genres was very fun for me and makes it stand out from a lot of you know like other kind of RPGs that are very much like oh this is a fantasy game or this is like a pure space opera um and, and is really fun. And then, yeah, it just kind of like, especially especially at the beginning, and I'm sure later in the game, but replaying it, you know, it drops you in this city. And it just kind of like, it does a pretty good job of, you know, directing you and giving you missions and stuff. But it really just lets you run around and explore. And the world feels wow. so populated with interesting characters. There's tons of little like mini games you can play tucked away. They're like totally optional stuff. Lots of side quests that are interesting. You know, it just does that thing that I think is what I love about RPGs is making you feel like you're in a, a world that is like yeah. lived in and, and kind of reacts to you. Um, and it, it has a very deft hand at doing that. Uh, and some very fun characters, even just like throwaway characters. There's one guy who you find, like, in a hallway who is just, like, he's a, you know, like, sidewalk preacher kind of guy. And he has this crowd of people around him who he's explaining, like, we are all just pawns in a game. There are only so many predefined things you can even say, you know, just, like, breaking the fourth wall about the fact that he's a video game character. Just little things like that that are, I don't know, add so much flavor that I I really love. Even playing it now and being like oh, as a game, I'm struggling with this, that universe, I was immediately back in. I was like, sure, I'll yes. be playing just to experience that.
0: Oh, it's like a a layer, a blanket of charm that would go right over you and make it uh, just easier and more fun to enjoy. Uh, that's really cool. Were you about to say something else? I'm sorry.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, I think just to your question of, like, other things that stand out, I mean um, – sorry to ramble but um, no this is
0: i i love the less i talk the better (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah
1: the the there's a couple other things one is the game has this amazing twist ending and i didn't even remember it until i was like looking up i mean i remember the twist and in terms of like other things that i think stuck in my mind you know i was talking about that like level where you have to kind of like be Sherlock Holmes yes. uh, the other thing that absolutely stuck in my mind is like I remembered the twist so clearly oh. and it was like such an impactful moment and in the way that I think uh you know Final Fantasy 7 and Sephiroth's moment in that game yes. is like for so many peoples that just like fused into their brain I think that this was that moment for me and weirdly Whoa. I kind of think this game was my Final Fantasy 7 in a weird oh. way. Like I said, I was you know, we were a Nintendo house. I never had yes. a PlayStation. We had like rented Final Fantasy games for the old Nintendo's when it was a Nintendo series. Oh my gosh. And I yeah. like, loved them, but never beat one. You know, I was like, yeah. you can't you can't, you know, get a blockbuster copy of Final Fantasy and expect to finish that in a weekend. No way. <laughs> uh, and but this game, you know, it, especially when you compare it to Final Fantasy VII, and I think, you know, they even drew some direct inspirations. It has that, like, technology mis- mixed with magic. It has, yes. um, you know, this world that feels very interesting and is riddled with mini games and things you can explore. And it has this story that is, like, really compelling and, like, has these powerful moments that have stuck with me my whole life. Um, yeah, so, so it ends on this great twist, and then it's a cliffhanger. And like we were talking about earlier, the studio oh. shut down. They never made that sequel. So the game is... Ugh. The story is, like, satisfying, but it is incomplete. And wow. somehow, I'm sure when I played it, I must have just been like, great, I can't wait for the next one. Not realizing. Um, and now I'm like hoping that somehow
0: some way in my life Anachronox 2 will finally arrive. That does make me think like cuz there are plenty of there's plenty of franchises and games out there that people would like really want to see come back or be remade and I mean I feel like I knowing nothing about this game coming into really today of preparing for this episode I'm like oh this is an amazing candidate because not only was it really well received and it's got a bit of a cult following? Um, but it, it there was a cliffhanger. And like what if they got a chance to make a new one? Uh who knows how it would go, but that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I,
1: I will hold out hope.
0: Uh you have you've brought up so much that's so interesting about about this game. Um, but I I do want to hear I just want to ask you a little bit about the battle system because I'm curious. Having played, uh, dabbled in a lot of the early Final Fantasy games and played through all the way through Chrono Trigger and I'm familiar with turn-based RPGs, um, what do you think about it? Is it well-fleshed out? Is it simplistic? Is it fun? Any thoughts about the system itself? Yeah, it...
1: So, I mean, my take on it's going to be based mainly on, like, recent like the the bit i played this weekend getting ready for this episode um because like going back in my memory it's just i i (laughs) I can't even remember so i will say like at its core it's pretty simple right it is the classic like you have a party of three uh characters out on a battlefield and some number of you know enemies you have to fight and you there's like a little timer it's time based there's a little timer yes i saw that when their timer fills up, then they can take an
0: action. And I think that was Very a little unique for the
1: time. I think Final Fantasy might have been doing something similar.
0: Yeah. I think that Final Fantasy IV like, introduced an invisible active time battle system, but you couldn't see the progress, but your characters would allegedly be on a timer. Six definitely did that, and then Chrono Trigger did that as well. You see your little meter fill up. Okay, cool. So, yeah, yeah,
1: it's very much in that vein. You you watch your meter fill up when it's full. You get to, like, have that character take an action. Um, It plays with, like, movement a little bit. So, like, melee characters, you have to, like, move up close to the enemies and ranged characters can be farther back. And I think that was another kind of unique thing uh, for the time. And, uh, yeah. But that said, it is very, like, the battles are pretty... There's not a whole lot of interesting decision-making. It's kind of like, all right, I should probably try to focus fire on one of these guys and, like, knock people out quick. Um, But beyond that, it's kind of predictable, you know? You kind of know how things are going to go. And especially now playing it, um, there's, like, a lot of animations. Like, oh, whenever you do something, there's, like... Pretty long animations of the character attacking <laughs> or using their special abilities, yeah. and maybe at the time when the graphics were, you know, seemed more impressive, that would have been uh, taken longer to kind of uh, get get annoying. But now, where it's like, oh, this is this is like not a good looking animation. Yes, <laughs> so I'm not like my my modern uh, aesthetic is not interested in watching that play out over and over. So the battles just feel kind of slow. Okay. Now, all of that said, I should say, as the game progresses, I think they add a lot more stuff. Like, the, the, you unlock this magic system. Mm. And one thing I remember about that that is really cool, um, like, in the combat, I, I can't really tell you, like, how much it changes or how much it adds. It obviously gives you more options to play with and, like, status effects and that stuff. But... The way you like get your different abilities is this like slot system where you oh. use like different mistec. It's called mystic technology, I think, something like that. I forget. What the I like word, it. <laughs> um You have like different mistec, and then these like bugs. You find bugs out in the world that you can combine with the mistech to get this like entire range of spells that you like craft you know and so oh. you're designing your magic in a way that's really cool um and uh yeah i think add, probably adds a lot to the interest of the like combat system
0: cool uh do you, i feel like you, there were questions i was going to have but you sort of answered them and as far as like the depth of it and what sort of abilities are available and how how they're built so that was so cool um now, I do, I do want to get into, like, you know, a little bit of the context of when you really played this uh, for your memorable first time, or even if there's anything of the last few days you want to share. Um, and it, like I told you before, broader specific, but let's start with um, with your computer when you f- would have first played it at your – wherever you lived growing up. Do you remember what that room was like, where it was set up, any, like, scene painting you can do for me?
1: For sure,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um... I played this in my bedroom. Um,
1: it was, uh, I think I had, sorry, I'm trying to think of the timing of this all. That's all good. <laughs> I had probably recently moved into that bedroom. So it was like originally uh, one of my older sister's rooms. And then she went off to college and I got to like claim Whoa. the bigger room, you know.
0: So Upstairs, had, like, downstairs, one downstairs.
1: Downstairs. Uh, we like all the kids' rooms were kind of in the like basement level. Our house was built on a hill. So it was like basement oh, but yeah. also like i had a window out to the backyard yeah um so we, all the kids rooms were downstairs so i was like just moving down the hall um but uh yeah like the biggest of the kids bedrooms so i had moved in there um just i had out oh you know i live in, like <laughs> finally live in the single child dream you know the <laughs> sisters were gone wow the house was mine uh yeah and uh i had this like Big computer desk that was, like, probably from Office Max or something. It was yes. meant for, like, a doctor's office, you know? I mean, just, <laughs> like, big wood desk. And uh, and then, yeah, the, the first computer I had built uh, is what I played it on. I mm. had, you know, bought all my parts from, like, Newegg.com and spray-painted my case with this, like, blue metallic paint uh, and, and was all, like, proud of it. And, uh, and yeah, uh, I think just played this game probably for weeks in my bedroom, you know, it's yeah. like a 30, 40 hour game. And I, I definitely wasn't, uh, you know, I don't know my, I wasn't like a, like, oh, I'm going to sit down and play games all weekend and like power through this. I'm sure I like did it every night for weeks. Uh, Yeah.
0: That's cool. Uh were you uh were you a snacks kid at all? Uh would you did would you have like go-to snacks growing up? You
1: know, not really. Yeah. Especially not that I associate with gaming at all. Sure. You know, there was like a candy drawer that I'd like grab stuff from um, nice. uh, in our kitchen. But um you know, it wasn't like a, all right, let me get my and there was no like, oh I needed my my gaming setup before I yes. start. Yeah.
0: Just curious. Uh well, I love that. Um, so yeah, now that we've set the scene a little bit, uh, do you remember anything um, broader, specific about the context, whether it was just like, oh, maybe I think around this time this was going on for me, or or if there happens to be like, oh, this thing happened. Uh, just love to hear from you either way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier with uh, you know, the group of friends I, I had yes. this programming class with. Um, this game, yeah, came at a time when I think I had really... It was, like, the start of high school. I was going through this transition of, of friends and, like, figuring out, all right, who who am I as a, like, teenager? Um, what am I into? And uh, so in that way, I think it was a very formative time for me. Um, cool. And, yeah, especially to have these other, you know, I think this is the kind of game that, like, in a lot of ways, I would have been, could have been embarrassed at that time about. Sure. It's like it's not like a, <laughs> you know, a cool video game everyone's playing. It's not. Uh, it just it probably doesn't immediately score high on the the hipness scale uh, from the outside. Oh, and we got it. We always got to bring the up the hipness scale. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Why would you play anything if it doesn't somehow <laughs> make you more hip? Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I think it would have been something that would have been very easy for me to be like, oh, this is a guilty pleasure, you know, like I'm going to play this, but I'm not going to like talk about it with anybody. Um, but the fact that I had that group of friends that was like, no, man, we're just shared that interest and we're, we're excited about it. And, um, you know, down to compare notes was, was so awesome. And I think really, um, you know, maybe, like, confidence building in after a time. I mean, I think middle school is, like, the worst period of a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Um, and I think after a period where, like, I had, uh, I had like, this amazing group of friends in grade school, and then in middle school, we all kind of, like, dispersed. And mm. maybe even, I think, like, I kind of fell out of that group even more so than some yeah. other people did. Um, And, like, had a hard time finding my footing again and, like, okay, uh, who are my friends, like, um, and so, yeah, yeah, I think it, it was part of that, like discovering who that new friend group was and being able to like share these really genuine interests and like genuine appreciation for like these kinds of stories and this kind of
0: humor, um, which was awesome. That's, uh, that's really fantastic and, and very heartwarming too. Uh, so for you, I guess, w- I want to just like, if you remember at all, when you, when you guys would hang out, would you hang out with this crew outside of the programming class? And did you have like a home base for where you would like bring your, have your land parties? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. So we would hang out outside of class. Land parties were like the most notable, but you know, there were also kids that I would like, uh, you know, we'd plan to hang out at each other's houses or whatever, but the land parties were always kind of like a rotating thing. We would, oh, cool. you know, different people would host uh, each time as much as they could. So, um, you know, it kind of seems like it almost always ended up, you know, in someone's basement. Totally. Um, perfect place for it. Perfect place, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, when I, I didn't host one for a while and then later in high school we had this like crawl space under our house oh. that my parents decided like they could convert into kind of a game room like like ping pong they wanted to put a ping pong table in oh, twist there my and arm mom like and that. dad <laughs> well right so so we we came to this arrangement where i was like we had to it was this like i said it was this crawl space and so the first thing they had to do was dig it out because it had like a three foot you know ceiling or something you yeah. had to crawl in it <laughs> and to turn it into rooms, like, well, cool, we just have to like get a ton of earth out of here. And so yeah. they had like the contractor came by and like set up a, a little conveyor belt and like left some tools. And then my negotiation was like, I'll get all my land party friends to come over uh, for a weekend. We'll dig this place out if we can have land parties in here when it's done. And so we spent this weekend with like a jackhammer and shovels, just like digging, <laughs> digging out our eventual <laughs> land party room um that yeah so for if you're a stretch of high school i would host down there sometimes
0: that is incredible i'm imagining you all like the like snow white seven dwarves just like digging your way through and mining that space out that's so cool was it like when it when you all did have it set up was it did you really like that space
1: yeah yeah it was an awesome space um yeah i mean it did the ping pong table my parents wanted was there which is awesome um but also perfect for a lamp party because like a big table to put stuff on totally um yeah so it worked great and uh oh man very cool thing about about that room and just like honestly my childhood home full stop is that uh my parents had, like, seen, you know, the, the 90s Adams Family movie and yeah. got inspired by The Secret Doors. So oh. even before we built this room, we had a, like, closet that was hidden behind a bookcase where you'd, like, push on the bookcase and it would oh. swing open and there was, like, this closet. And so we did the, just did the same thing for this room. So to get into it, it had a, like, bookcase in the hallway that just, like, looked like it was a bookcase in the corner. Um, and we even had like a book rigged up to it where if you pulled the book, oh my it would gosh. Open the switch and you could walk in. Uh, yeah, man, it was, That's, it was a good spot.
0: That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Do they still live in this home?
1: No, no. They moved out. Um, yeah, a little after I graduated college.
0: Wow. Someone, I mean, that, that would be enough to like pull me into, to like buy a home regardless of how the rest of it was. If I, you know, could buy a home, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that is so cool. Uh, and the last question I have about your uh, about your crew uh, was this like four people like how, how do you remember how big this group was?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there were in terms of like the crew I would have been, you know, playing this game with and and like uh, that were like the guys in that programming class. Mm-hmm. There were there were three of us um but then around that there was a bunch of other friends as well especially in like the land party group yeah. you know um so like at the land parties we would probably have you know 20 plus kids all wow, crammed into the no basement way. yeah
0: yeah that is a whole oh my gosh that's incredible uh that that is that's just so cool do you happen to like keep in touch with anybody uh today Some of those some of those guys from like the the
1: LAN party crew and gals, honestly, it was a mix. Um, But in terms of who I've stayed in touch with, um, two of them are like still some of my closest friends. They're guys I went to college with. Uh, One of them was part of the Counter-Strike team uh, that that I was talking about earlier. Uh, I stood up in both of their weddings. Uh, Yeah. So a couple of them still really in my life um the core like those guys who i was in the programming class with though i i've totally fallen out of touch with and i keep thinking like man i I need to look them back up um be so fun to reconnect but yeah uh, yeah you know we kind of went our college really did it right like we all dispersed to college the friends who were at the same university as i was we stayed really tight and everyone else we just kind of
0: slowly fell out of touch as as it happens uh Man, I feel like I go through stuff like that even living in LA for 9 years now. It's like I have had so many people that I feel like I have made meaningful connections with or friends that I've made and it's just so hard to have space for and time for yourself let alone everybody. So like that's so relatable. Um mm-hmm. Nick, this has been so much fun to hear from you about the game itself and then a little bit of the context that we just got sprinkled in near the end of this chat. Before we move on to the uh, end of the show segments that I have prepared for you, um, would you mind either, if there's something you didn't get to share about anything to do with this game, feel free. But I do want to hear and have you just sort of like wrap up whatever space this game held for you in your mind. And maybe even your heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Let
1: me see if I can do both at once. I think like the space this game held for me is this like story that just stuck with me the way a great movie does and that it had those moments that like I said I'll just probably remember forever for better or worse yeah <laughs> um and and a tone that I think really inspired me in terms of like the kinds of c- creativity you know like what what kinds of stories you can tell and what kind of worlds you can create and how much fun you can have in, uh, telling a story, even one that is, is more serious or has some serious tone to it can also have a lot of fun with itself. Um, yeah, the, and in that sense, I mean, just uh, some of the stuff I didn't get to touch on, but you know, if, if I can inspire anyone to go play some of this game, I think this will help you know if you need to check it out in any way. There are the, the the cast of characters in this game is wild. So we talked about the fact that you play this like detective uh, character, and then it's like a party game. So you you meet and add a bunch of characters to your party, and you can swap between them and stuff. But some of the characters you get. There's literally a planet that shrinks itself down to person-sized and travels with you as a member of your party.
0: I saw that thing, and I was like, just in researching for it, and and then first I was like, oh, that's just a character you meet. And then I saw another screen where it's in battle with you, and it's a part it's of your in crew. Battle with you. you can explore, you can like swap it to be your main character and wander around
1: the, the world talking to people with it. Uh, And later, you're on the surface of it. You, like, go back and forth. That's Uh, amazing. It's so cool. Uh, There's a washed-up alcoholic superhero who comes (laughs) from a planet of, like, superheroes and supervillains where most of the populace has left because they're sick and tired of being captured and then rescued by superheroes all the time. so good. Um, There's a, like, this, like, sarcastic robot. I mean, it just... You know, it's all tying back to that, like sense of humor this game has with itself. But it does these things that are really just stick in your mind as unique and funny and fun. Um, and I think that's what has made it so special for me. Like, that's why this game uh, I've remembered for 20 years.
0: That's amazing. Uh Nick, we've got a couple things to do before we wrap up, but thanks again for coming on to share about uh, Anachronox. Uh, this was so much fun, and like I was telling you before we even – I mean even hearing from you more now, I'm like, yeah, I want to play this game. If I can do it, I will. Uh, but let's do some fun post-show segments before we – post-show segments, as I said, before we go. Um, the first of which I have as uh, the Fact Me – by your game segment where I just share fun facts with my guest about the game they brought on today, whether it's uh trivia, uh easter eggs cheat codes all sorts of stuff in this section um the first of which uh actually you even brought up for us i forgot to give you a ding 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 sound but i was going to talk about the sequel that wasn't uh so to go in a little more detail um like you had uh we learned that the offices uh for ion storm dallas were closed days after the release of this game Um, But they had uh, decided to produce a sequel for Anachronox around early 1999 before the first game was even really that close to coming out. Um, They felt that uh, there would otherwise be too much content for one game. So they started to hold stuff out uh, for this addition, the second one that would follow Um, and uh, team member. Brian Iserlow noted that several art assets had already been created for the sequel. Uh, and Ion Storm's offices, as we know, were closed mere days after the release of Anachronox. So, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see design documents or images come out, but that would be really cool. Cause it sounds like there's stuff that was created that never came out. Uh, so, so sorry about the sequel that wasn't. And again, Hey, who knows? We can cross our fingers hard enough and, and make an, we're good enough boys. We wish maybe we'll get that sequel. Um, Absolutely. Uh, the second fact I have for you is that uh, I I have titled it Built on Quakey Ground. Uh, now this game, as we've already talked about, um, was uh, made by the by the uh, or published by the same company, IDOS Interactive, that did uh, the Quake series um, and was involved with uh, with with Doom. We were talking about John Romero and Carmack earlier. Um, this game was built using a heavily modified version of the Quake 2 engine. I guess some adjustments that they made were rewriting it primarily to allow a wider color palette, emotive animations, which we have detailed, uh, and facial expressions, better lighting, particle, and camera effects. And uh, this engine was developed by John Carmack, uh, who took interest in using it for a role-playing game, as opposed to a first-person shooter. Uh, So that was just a fun little detail that I, I found about that, that uh, it's just, I feel like when you look at the game, knowing that you can kind of see it if you've seen Quake 2, um, but you may not have been able to point out initially.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it has, I mean, it's you you control with like WASD and like yes. the mouse, you know, it is, has that, that shooter DNA, but then you jump into <laughs> turn-based combat.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that will do it for the Fact Me By Your Game segment. And I will lead us into the final one, the game recommendations. Now, this is the one forced tie-in that I have to the movie, Call Me By Your Name, for which the show shares a very similar title, where I'm going to treat Anachronox as your passionate summer love in Italy uh, that you're eventually going to move on from. uh, And I'm gonna present these three options as a potential new fling for you, Uh, but they will each have something in common with the game you brought on today. Um, we already gave the bonus uh the recommendation of Paper Mario, so that alone is great. Um, if you want, another cyberpunk game of the same era released a year before, which these the game is these games are so closely tied together in different ways. We've already talked about it. I think you brought up Deus Ex already today. Have you gotten into that one before?
1: Uh you know, I think around the same time it came out, like early two thousands, I played <laughs> some of deus Ex. yeah Uh, i definitely didn't finish it i don't think i even made it super far and i think at the time like what i loved about both games was all this like world building stuff i was talking about and how just like alive the world yeah but i think my like i was more into the like rpg systems and so i like latched onto this game um and like you know Powered through 40 hours of it and then played like five of Deus Ex.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, hey, that's out there for you if you ever want to revisit it. Uh, if you, you know, being someone who grew up on the Super Nintendo era uh, and played, dabbled with some of those Final Fantasy RPGs, if you want an SNES era Cyberpunk RPG, uh, you know, same genre as this one, I'll recommend Shadow Run for the Super Nintendo, which... I don't think that one's on Switch Online, but it's another, uh, you know, sort of cyberpunk, uh, 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 Blade Runner-inspired game, but just totally different type of game in and act- in, uh, art style on the SNES. Uh, and then lastly is uh, if you really connected with the comedy of this game, you love the cinematics of it and the, uh, really, the team really going for it with the th- 3D models, I'll recommend to you another one very similar in those aspects mdk2 have you ever heard of this game
1: no no this
0: this is a this game i i i feel like no one knows i mean people know about it but i actually got this it came with my pc that i got when i was 13 uh and it has a lot of the same elements. It's the sequel to the original game M.D.K. Two, and it's a third-person like action game where you solve puzzles. It there's shoot third-person shooter elements, a um, lot of comedy, a lot of which is not really that funny. And even watching just uh, just clips of Anachronox, I was like, yeah, this I, I vibe with this humor more. But I still think it's weird enough to check out. So that's M.D.K. Two.
1: All right, um, all right, yeah, I will definitely look that up.
0: So to wrap up the game recommendations today, we have Deus Ex, Shadowrun, and MDK2. And that'll do it for the game recommendations. And that will actually bring us to the end of the show. Uh, So before we go and close out with some plugs uh, for each of us, uh, Nick, thanks so much for coming on. This was so much fun to get to actually sit down and do this with you because we talk about, I feel like every time I see you, we're talking about games in some way or another. So thanks for taking the time to do this today. I had a blast. Thanks, Connor. Yeah, me too. Um, well, do you have anything you want to plug on your way out today before I just throw a slew of them at the listener?
1: Huh. Uh, no, nothing nothing huge for me. Um, I, uh, you know, like once a year post something on social media. So if you want to uh, be around for that <laughs> amazing moment, uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at NCKpark. Um, and yeah, beyond that, pitch away, Connor
0: golden uh well i'll go ahead and put uh, your socials in the show notes so the listeners can just click and follow and we'll be eagerly anticipating that one post it's going to be glorious when it happens uh as for me the cover art, the show art for Call Me By Your Game is done by the artist Glenn J. You can find Glenn and his other wonderful work on Instagram at glennwithtwoends.jay. This podcast is produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. You should check out his show, also a part of this network, Video Games, a comedy show. And if you're listening the week this came out, they just released The Roast of Donkey Kong episode where some uh, Nintendo characters or video game characters really, or just characters in general, came on to do a roast of our King of Swing uh, to sort of uh, just have a fun little element to our Donkey Kong Games Club that we've been doing. You can follow me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe. And that's Connor with an ER. I'm on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. Uh, and then lastly, uh, you can, uh, oh, and I've been, I've been streaming a lot. So feel free to check me out and follow me there. Uh, two more plugs is one. Uh, check us out on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. We have a ton of bonus content. I've already talked about the call me by your game co-op episodes that we do every month hosted by myself uh, with, uh, with the Last Guardian and God of War coming for November and December to wrap that up, um, we also uh, there's there's a ton more that's there wrapping up our Donkey Kong Games Club. Only one more episode to go for that, um, but uh, we have a really fun event that we're doing for the month of November. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, we've already done the first of these, but we are doing our Mario Party November Madness streams where we are going to be playing Mario Party Two. Via Nintendo Switch Online, with some of our favorite friends from the Super NPC radio universe uh, and friends from other shows. And we're raising uh, awareness for both uh, men's health issues like uh, testicular, prostate cancer, and suicide, but also raising money uh, for the charity uh, Zero, uh, the End of Prostate Cancer Foundation, which is uh, an incredibly well reviewed uh, prostate cancer uh, foundation with the goal of. Of, of ending prostate cancer um, and the, a lot of their funds go towards testing uh, and programs that are designed to help people uh, so yeah, check us out there because we're going to be raising money uh, every week uh, it's going to be Tuesday nights, we're doing November 8th 22nd and 29th so if you're hearing this when it comes out uh, keep your eye out in a couple weeks um, but that'll do it uh, for all the promotions I had this week and that'll end our episode of Call Me By Your Game we will see you on the next one.